Welcome to another episode of 204060. My Let's name go. is Jeff Mims. We've got Trevor Lovingood, and we've got a special guest with us today. Uh, taking the place of our 60-year-old, we decided to half that and get an almost 30-year-old. We've got Justin Beasley, the Let's youth go. pastor Beasy. Judson Baptist. And let's just say this. Uh, let's just start off really quickly today talking about how everybody can connect with us. Uh, Trev, where can everybody find you? Best place, Instagram, at Trevor Lovingood. Uh, but Trevor Loving is pretty unique, so I have it pretty much on everything. So Facebook, right. whatever. Justin, how can they connect with you? Instagram, same way. BZ65, B-E-A-S-Y-65. Be easy, baby. Be easy, baby. Come on. That's it. That's how I live. All right. And then I still am old-fashioned. Call me, maybe. Baby. <laughs> uh, I love that reference that you just Thank used. you. I'm trying to channel my inner hipster. Didn't happen, did it? I thought it's it pretty was pretty close. Great. All right, yeah. so uh, mine is jeff.mims, judsonbaptist.com, Facebook. You can find me there as well, different things like that. We're talking today in, uh, about missions and how it's really been viewed differently by generations, and so we're going to step into a little bit of uncharted territory today. We're going to make an assumption to start with because we are part of the Southern Baptist Convention and uh, the Tennessee Baptist, now the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, which um, Brother Randy, our executive director successfully renamed and I think did a good job in doing that last fall because that's really who we are. We're trying to do missions. But the idea kind of starts with this assumption that uh, if you were, uh, say, in 60, 70, 80-year-old listening today, you're probably familiar if you're in the Southern Baptist Convention with the cooperative program. Cooperative program started uh, in the early 1900s just to make sure that we could do more together than we could on our own. And uh, it was kind of an assumption that if you were an SBC church, you were going to give a percentage of your uh, overall budget to CP, is what we call it, Cooperative Program Giving. And it funded two things. It funded six seminaries for uh, affordable theological education for future pastors. Those seminaries include uh, Southern in Louisville, Southwestern in Fort Worth, New Orleans in New Orleans, Southeastern in the Raleigh-Wake Forest area of North Carolina, Kansas City is uh, Midwestern, and then actually the Golden Gate Seminary has now split. It used to be in San Francisco, and they have two locations in California. The other big thing CP Giving did was uh, let us put missionaries on the field. Our missionaries in Southern Baptist Life don't raise their own support. They're given a middle-class living uh, wherever they're at in the world, and we do that through CP Giving, but Trevor had the unique distinction of introducing the Lottie Moon offering at Christmas this year. Trevor, what is Lottie Moon? Lottie Moon offering is an offering giving once a year to missionaries. There it is. <laughs> Who was Lottie Moon? Lottie Moon was a missionary uh, back in the day. Back in the day. <laughs> there it was. So, so you can see the disconnect that we're already having uh, with, with that. But, but if, you were, if you are a part of that older set that listens to this, uh, and I'm, I'm certainly part of the middle set, Justin being 29, Trevor, and, uh, are you 26? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah 26. So we've got, we've got a couple of guys in their 20s and then me in my 40s today. Um, if if you grew up in that church life, you kind of it was an assumption that you gave and supported missions. Our WMU, the Women's Missionary Union, was set up to do that. I remember going to a Women's Missionary Union meeting at our church one time in Virginia, and as they closed it out, they were reading missionary birthdays of people we didn't know. But it was this is an IMB missionary, and let's pray for them. It's their birthday today, so. Let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, guys, what was the first mission trip that you remember taking? Justin, won't you start with us? What year was it? Where did you go? That kind of thing. 2000, the year 2000, Y2K. 
I went to uh, Gallup, New Mexico. Been there. We flew into Albuquerque, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. From Albuquerque, drove to do get to Gallup. There's nothing in Gallup. It is a, uh, uh, it's just a bunch of like stucco homes. It's a mm-hmm. small community there. We, our, all of our mission trips, even when we went to, I went to Brazil, in in high school. But even that one was sort of based around the same things. And I've I've almost brought that here because I think it's useful for the teenagers, especially. We used to call them backyard Bible clubs. It's mm-hmm. an old term. You could still. Throw that out there, you know. I so, love clubs. It is it's like VBS. Yeah, it's awesome clubs. Awesome. VBS. You know, we would we would go, we would sort of target four or five project locations, break up into teams of 10, 12, and we would do everything from recreation to uh, snacks, Bible stories, things like that. We would do that every morning, take a lunch break every evening. We would do that. Um, that was it. What, what do you remember most trip. about it? The memory, the number one memory I have, and I don't, I don't even know why this is like, stuck in my mind but but it is i was driving home one day when i wasn't driving obviously i was 14 or 12 or whatever it was time uh but we were riding back in the van and i saw a guy near a garbage can that's what i would call it it wasn't a dumpster but it was it was a larger garbage can than normal and i asked to stop i I just said hey can we stop here and i don't even remember the purpose i i think it was maybe twofold for when I was on the trip, I, th- I think you're more sensitive to what you come across in the culture or where you're at than you are at home. And so when I saw the guy asked to stop, I just went and shared the gospel with him and gave him 20 bucks. Mm. And um, I don't remember his name. I remember very little of the conversation. I do remember he didn't give his life to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't. Uh, but I shared. And, and then I just left him with something to help him out for that evening. Got back in the van and and went on our way. That's That's the memory from that trip I hold. The other memory I hold is is how I got there. My grandmother was uh, dying that week. Mm. And so I paid to go to mission trip, worked all summer and made the decision last minute with support of my family to, to leave and, and run the risk of I'm going to be gone. My grandmother may pass away, but I feel like this is where I was supposed to be. Uh, she didn't, by the way, she, she lived another couple of weeks. So I was able to go on the mm. trip and make it back. But that was a, um, a defining moment in my life to where I feel like I learned how to prioritize some things correctly. Mm. And and I couldn't have done that without family support or people around me who said, this is good. Mm-hmm. You know, we want you to do this. So, um, yeah, that was my... And the other memory I have is fast food. <laughs> Shout out to my youth pastor. He taught us well. We ate at Wendy's, McDonald's, and Sonic every night. Well, that was a there, good life, know, wasn't so, it? Yeah, youth ministry. What about you, Trevor? Sounds like my life right now. Um, for me, it was first mission trip, 2003, if I'm thinking correctly. Uh, which isn't very much, but 2003 went to New Orleans. We actually went and partnered with one of our uh, seminaries, mm-hmm. uh, the one in New Orleans, and we uh, reached out to, we helped a church in the area reach out to uh, the community because it was uh, a newer church in that area, you know, kind of a revitalization type thing. And the one memory that I remember was where the the uh, the drug lord lived on mm-hmm. the street because I was 13 and it was like, that's awesome. And for some reason, I thought, thought that was so cool. Like that, I'm like around drug lords right now. Mm, and uh, we would go door to door. And I remember that one because I wasn't supposed to go to that one. Uh, but for some reason, I think I remember doing that. And uh, but it, no one was home, so mm. um, going door to door, sharing Jesus with people, and they always made me talk because I was the one that talked too much always. And so uh, I got pretty good at. Uh, sharing like the 
the most basic, you know, ABC uh, or one, two, three, whatever you remember of like how to share Jesus as a, uh, the gospel as like a kid, you know, admit, believe, confess or whatever those, I learned those pretty good, but then I was able to like kind of take them from there. Um, so that's that kind of something cool that I learned, able to share Jesus with uh, quite a few older people as a, you know, sixth grader, about to be sixth grader or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's strong. pretty cool. I'm probably uh, 19... 87, 10 years old, maybe first trip that I went on, uh, Mexico. Uh, don't, don't rem- I don't really remember life where missions wasn't part of our lives because my, my folks were involved in it, traveling, doing things. I remember one year at Christmas, we flew to France so that, uh, my parents could, uh, speak to a group of missionaries who had kind of gathered there away from their work to, to get encouragement and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very odd, but uh, I'm pretty sure that my parents left me in a house with a missionary kid who I had never met before for two days on our own. And I might've been 12. Uh, so random. I mean, just, I mean, I, I'm not even sure uh, what that was all about. So uh, probably just seeing people come to Christ, worshiping in different, different cultures has been the most memorable thing as a kid. Uh, that, that kind of kind of goes on with it. Let, let's start kind of a discussion in a little bit different vein here and, and kind of think about what missions means today when we talk about generational differences. If, if somebody older than me kind of thinks as missions is something that we need to support financially, we need to pray for, I think there was a shift probably uh, for folks um, my age that the idea should be you should support it financially, but you should also go short-term globally uh, not not lost on me is that our own international mission board president, uh, David Platt, he's, he may be, I think David is actually a couple years younger than me. He may be 38, I'm not sure, uh, wrote his book Radical, which, I mean, sent people into the into another world of mission thinking for sure in, in our generation and, and certainly that. But uh, some have said that maybe in the 20s, people who are in their 20s think that missions isn't something we necessarily need to just support, but it's what we do where we're at every day. Why don't you guys take that and run with it for a minute? And I want to hear how you believe folks in their 20s really are appropriating a lifestyle of mission, if that's true, or if there's another way that they think about mission, what is it? Yeah, so I would say that... uh uh, it's one, it feels, it feels like dad's not home right now. I, you know, I'm getting to like, Gene's not with us this morning. So I feel like I can actually say something, uh, without getting destroyed. You know, Gene, this is the real Trevor. I love right here. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, we miss you, Gene. Uh, but we're, we're great to have, it's great to have you big just with us. Thanks, um, man. difference between my generation and yours, I think Jeff is if you ask somebody, you know, in my generation, what their thing is, what do they love to do? You're pretty much going to hear a cause that they really care about. You're going to hear, you know, I'm really, um, I care a lot about, uh, you know, orphan care. I go all, I go to all the time to, you know, Haiti or Dominican Republic or somewhere around the world. And, you know, those are, you know, those are my people type thing. Or you'll hear, you know, uh, I, I feed the homeless, you know, on Thursday nights, we take them cheeseburger. You have a cause kind of that you've, uh, attach yourself to that you kind of live your life trying to help and in a lot of ways we think that that's missions and I think it is sometimes and it is maybe probably isn't others and it's more humanitarian or it's so I don't I don't I think Can we you may define have the a, difference on the difference between a cause a humanitarian cause and mission in your mind yeah I think in my mind the difference between it is uh, the purpose being spreading the gospel versus just helping somebody physically I think both are important 
in a big way, but I think we kind of combine the two and say, I, yeah, I go on missions, but we actually don't share Jesus with people. Mm. Um, I, I think the biggest part of the difference between humanitarian efforts and missions is is the whole the, is the gospel. Like when you go on missions, yes, you may be doing some humanitarian efforts, and you may be doing some kind of relief, but the purpose is um, yes, physically, but even more important, spiritual relief, mm. um, um, spiritual well being of the, and that being the the main focus um, of that. So I think for my generation, it's it's not if you do missions or humanitarian efforts; it's kind of combined, and then you go ahead and say like this is kind of the cause I attach myself to. This is the one I care about most. I'm going to take pictures of this one the most, send money here, go there the most, um, just because everything is kind of so accessible for us. We're kind of used to being able to go to the other side of the world and just going and doing it when we want to. Sure. Um, yeah, Justin, what so, do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, I would agree with them almost almost in its entirety. So I'll give you one, even a little different angle than that. All right. Because, yeah. So here's here's my different angle. I I think the negative effect of what Trevor just described is it is our generation, I think, sees missions almost as a selfish mission. And what Mm. I mean by that is we I think we would define missions this way in our belief that it's equally beneficial. I go on mission not only for a cause or to do something I think is important, whether it's feed orphans or even if it's go to share the gospel or go to an area of the world I've never gone before. But if you were to talk to people our age, you'll hear things like, man, I, I wanted to go there. Why? But when I've never been to Cuba, mm. I've never I've never been in this culture. I wanted to experience I wanted to I wanted to have this experience. And in my helping, I gained, you know, ABC from this experience. And and while I think that's true, like there's there's truth to that. You 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 get, you know, back based off of what you give and, and go and, and doing those things. I also think that almost promotes a um, a type of selfish selfishness in our belief that says when it comes to our mission, I only want to do things that are good for them and good for me. I want so, to return for what I do. So did we just have a millennial say that millennials act like millennials? Basically. I, I may not I, be against but, the millennials but that's here. Inter- but but that's know. interesting because we're all shaped by our, by our, by our underlying, underlying culture in, in who we are, right? So it, it definitely has a place. Yeah. And, and as you guys are talking... Uh, I, I have I have a couple of questions for you about that w- in regards to somebody who somebody who's in their twenties. If if we were going to talk to somebody in any of your ministries who might be, you know, a couple years younger than you, and you were going to you were going to talk to them about being on mission from God, Justin, what would be the starting place for you for that? How would you combat that feeling without saying? You're a complete narcissist. I mean, <laughs> how, how would you how would you get there? How do you how do you help somebody get on mission? I want to and, change and their motivations. It. Okay, that's the very first thing I want to do with teenagers and today. And that's not just a millennial thing. Obviously, I'm not dealing with just millennials anymore. Yep. I think as time goes along, they'll they'll change that. But but that's my world. So I want to speak right. to that a little bit with them and then people my age. I, I want to change their motivation. And and of course, you're dealing with all the time with some things that you don't you don't even know you're dealing with people's past experiences, how they grew up, their personalities. All kinds of different things contribute to how they do and see missions. Mm-hmm. But but one of the things you hear all the time is, if well, I don't know if you hear it, but I feel it, is I feel like people do and go where they're comfortable most. Mm. I go on mission because this is what I do. I, if I was to go, and I when I say this, by the way, I agree with what I'm saying. So I'm, I'm condemning myself here a little bit, just so you know. This isn't like a critique. This is, this is through my experience, too. When I go on mission today, I want to go preach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I am. That's what I feel like my gift in this lends me to do. And so I want to go and do that. And, I, and while I think that's right, 
it also it also promotes a, a mentality in my own mind that says, man, if this isn't if this isn't something I know I can do, then I don't know that I need to be there. And and I think that's true in one aspect and not true in others. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be with you on that one because I'm I'm I have narrowed that focus in. I'm not I don't want to say never, but I'm not doing construction mission trips anymore. Yeah, I'm not either. I don't need to go build a yeah. church. I can pay to have a skilled laborer there that's going to get a lot more accomplished than Jeff Mims being there. Uh, if if it doesn't if it doesn't lend itself to where I feel like I'm getting value added, the, there's no point in me going. I've I've seen enough of the world. I've built enough things. I've gone on the, I mean, I've done the orphanage mission trip. It's great. I mean, it, I mean, wouldn't trade that experience for the world and what we accomplished there. Fantastic. Yeah. Not my cup of tea today, for who I am, because of what you what you just mentioned. Let me ask you: How are you going to take that college student and push them? to turn their cause into their life's mission. I love, uh, you're, you're, you're going to be surprised what I'm about to say. I like your, your thought process on that, Jeff. Um, and if like fully, uh, just to be, make it more clear in my mind. Um, and what I hear you saying is, and I want everyone to be listening, hear what he's saying. He is not just going to go do something just to do something. He's going to go where uh, God is calling him. Absolutely, and a hundred percent of the time. So, and like, so I'm trying to get college students there, uh, and before I get to them being missional on any aspect or having a cause that's worthy or or doing anything. Um, really outside their, their own selfish ways is kind of what BZ was talking about. We kind of do things for our selfish ways. I'm going to only do, uh, give so much until I, you know, feel like I'm going to be receiving at the same time, yeah. which is, um, I actually don't think that that's necessarily a, a, a bad thing. Um, because I think if I can get people at least thinking that way, you know, you're going to receive a lot and then see their lives totally destroyed because the Lord actually breaks them down and, and gives them something that they weren't necessarily looking for, yeah. whatever. So um, I, I like that as well. Um, but if, to really kind of clearly answer the question um, you're, you're, you're asking me, Jeff, um, how do I get someone to there as a college student is um, I'm trying to relate with them uh, in their personal life. And I think the biggest thing that a college student is getting away from is living um, a life that is different everywhere they go. Um, as a college student, you're learning how to be on your own and have your own faith. Mm-hmm. This isn't your parents. This isn't your moms. This isn't your friends. This isn't your 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 community. Your community's faith. You don't just go to church just because a lot of people do or your friends do. In college, you are your own person. You're having your own faith. You're realizing your own life. And so, in that, I think that what I'm trying to do is use that to really to our advantage in really seeing people's lives changed um, and begin to live a life that reflects Jesus and, and really to have him live through them. And it's this, it's uh, let's live um, asking this question, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Mm-hmm. Lord, Lord, what are you telling me today um, in this, in this moment um, through your word, um, through prayer, through conversation, through this, uh, Sunday school, family group, group, whatever group of people that I live consistently with, being in a group mm-hmm. consistently with people, with a local church community, being there and and not feeling like you have to do everything, but do just live your life uh, genuinely, authentic, 
Um, those are, I guess, some uh, uh, hipster words, as some people would say. But just genuine. Just be who you are in this moment and let the Lord speak to you right where you are. Because I can't talk about the cause or the mission project that you really love if you're not just going to be honest about where you are and what you're going through and then go from there. So then we can begin to have people go on missions for a reason. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Justin? I, in that, let me in play that this downstream just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. One yeah, to confirm do. what Jeff and I were talking about. You don't want me, by the way, working or building your home. Oh no, not at all. I had to have our Nathan, <laughs> Nathan, our media director, come change a light bulb in my basement because I could not get it working correctly. So I me, I don't think I would have admitted that. Me building anything is a very negative thing. All right. So <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would have admitted that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's out there. So yeah. it's already on my mind. I don't have a house your, for that does reason. Your, does your wife know that? I like happening? amenities. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. She she right. actually asked me, would okay. you please not right. do that and get yeah. somebody here okay. who can actually do I the did, job? I just want to make sure you weren't going to have to turn your man card in when you walked in the no, door. I turned it afternoon. in long ago. Okay. It was. It's been a rough life. <laughs> now to go downstream a little bit with it. There's a lot of what we're saying is right. The thing I don't that I don't think about in that is in dealing with teenagers is I hear this all the time. Why don't you share your faith? And we've heard the same thing for years and years, right? Well, because I'm the fear of rejection or the fear of what somebody's going to say back or me not having the right answer because they're not comfortable. And when I talked about changing their motivation and doing that at a young age, what I what I meant by that is I have one thing I tell students that I think is really important, and that is you you have to learn to fear fear the right thing. And what I mean by that is if you're if it's sharing the gospel with somebody who's lost, you need to fear their lostness more than you fear their rejection of you. Sure. And and to yeah. learn that at, at a young age. The the downstream effect of that, and this is the dilemma I feel like I live in, is is I don't want I also don't want to put a pressure on them to carry a burden that's not theirs. The lostness of this world is God's. Jesus said he's is it's his burden, is what I mean. Jesus said his burden's light. And so to take that and say, hey, you need to be burdened in a way that's unhealthy mm-hmm. is not what I'm is not what I want to do. But I want to motivate teenagers or millennials to say, you know what? If it requires me to be uncomfortable to share my faith, I'm okay doing that because I'm more afraid of what their life's going to be like without Christ than what my life is going to be like if I get rejected or this changes our relationship or yeah. something like that. So I feel like there's a fine line of promoting we do missions where we know we're called and we do missions where we feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And we almost have to separate the two somehow. Yeah. Well, let me, let me flip this in a little bit different vein because I think one of the things that, and, and I'll, ask, I'll ask you guys to weigh in on this, just had our, one of our Global Focus executive team meetings. Global Focus, by the way, if you're listening, is not something we came up with. You'll see it all over our website. Not new to us. Uh, we were coached through it. It's a method on getting your church engaged in living on mission, local and regional, national and ends of the earth or global partnerships. And we were talking about an opportunity that may be coming up. And and here, here's the selling point on this opportunity. It allows someone to get a cross-cultural engagement because it's in England that's easy for them to get there. It's easy to get people to go to England. What's wrong with that or right with that? Well, I, I, think, uh, I think that it's completely right it, it, but I like to take the positive side. Like, how can I be an optimist in this um, and use this to my advantage? Because people are going to do what they want to do. Sure. And so if we can get people doing what they want to do and getting thinking they're getting a lot from it, which they are, we just know that they're going to get a lot of Jesus and their life may be, you know, uh, kind of torn apart in a good way, in a healthy way, and find some brokenness so that they can find Jesus in yeah. a very real and, way. And let me say real quickly before you go on, 
when we were talking about easy, let me define that. It was easy flight, easy language. Yeah, totally. Okay. Easy. It wasn't. Yeah, it's hey, not I want to go. To, it wasn't. I want to go to London. Now that's certain. That never. Totally. That was never spoken. But you know that that's. I mean, you know that that's right. Right underneath. That's youth there. ministry, by the way. Yeah, it's, do a trip it, where kids it, want to go. It's, it's right underneath there. So I think yeah. So is there is deal. is there a, you know, it are, is there a compelling reason to get someone to go, on a trip like that, even if we may not think it's the most strategic or the most needed trip, like going to Africa and planting church that we like we do with Samson Casilla. You've been there, Justin. Mm-hmm. I mean, so those kind of things. It's not. It, it may not be that type of trip, but is there a reason to go? Yeah, so uh, I think it's just it's, it's simply taking a step uh, in the right direction. In their desiring to go, they're choosing to go on a mission trip. I know when when people take their first trip. When I take a college student or uh, um, someone that's in their youth or just anyone, and you take them on their first trip and they actually serve for a week or just a little bit or just do something outside of themselves that you don't typically do. Um, in those places, I feel like it's easiest to be able to hear from God, and then you'll get people to go to uh, South Korea or, sure. or Asia or peop- or places I you know wherever that they the language they don't speak where it's not as easy, um, where they're building or sharing the gospel or whatever. Just so we can just do some simple things to take steps in the right direction. And and for I, me, it's huge. Yeah, in and taking I, steps. and I'm going to be right there with you. I think there's a compelling reason to take a kid on a cool a cool trip to a, a destination or to take an adult to london uh because one that trip is actually involves church planting church revitalization if we make that a partnership we're able to get that going i think it's strong but i think if i get you out of the country for a week there's a couple of things downstream that happen in your life one is that you're now thinking about mission because you've been on mission two is that when you come back you're going to be more bought in to seeing the gospel promoted around the world yeah and uh, so I'm not going to have trouble when I say we need to raise some support for this mission opportunity. You're going to be one of the first ones that comes along and says, that's right. We need to buy into that. Third is I think it, it gives you a refocus on what's really important, you know. Uh, and if you happen to see Big Ben while you're there, good for you. You know, I, I don't have any. I see that as no conflict of interest in that, Justin. Yeah, there's a reason I do both. We just we spent the past two years going to Dominican Republic with our teenagers, and this year we're going to Charleston, Missouri. Right? Charleston, mm-hmm. Missouri is much different than mm-hmm. Dominican Republic. It's uh, you know, 180 thousand acres of soybean field. Mm-hmm. The reason I think that's appropriate is because when you do missions on a trip like this, the the way we do on backyard Bible clubs, working in project locations, we will lead just as many kids to the Lord in Charleston, Missouri, as we did in the Dominican Republic. Sure. Because you you know you may go to a town with a million people in it, you're not going to meet a million people that week. You're you're limited in your time, so I don't. It, you don't have to be afraid of. Well, what if is Gallup as promotable as Alaska? Is Alaska mm-hmm. as promotable as Cuba? You've only got a limited amount of time to be there. No matter where you are, it's going to be used and useful. And so what I try to do on a trip like this is leverage our full potential. What can our students do? What can we do? You know, what's something we can do maybe that's different that this town will never have unless we do it? Mm, If that's doing for us this year, it's taking what we do a thing we call Wipeout in a conference and doing something Mm -hmm. on the road for that community on the last day of mission trip. Nobody's going to Charleston, Missouri to throw a conference. Right. No one. Yeah. So we're going to do it. Get two or 300 kids, share the gospel that last day. And I, I hope my prayer in that is that that's something that community looks to forever. And that any time our church comes back there, it, it opens the doors to do whatever we feel God wants us to do. So I don't know. We're trying to leverage our full potential here to do as much as we can with the time that we have. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can do that just as well anywhere. 
whether that's London, Alaska, Cuba, or Charleston, Missouri. Totally. Yeah. I just want to add to that, Justin. Uh, you know, you talk about leveraging uh, what you have kind of everywhere you go. Yeah. And uh, to even add, to add that to that just a little bit, you're really teaching those students how to be servant leaders and to be consistently uh themselves consistently what they've learned in other places that maybe they've enjoyed more or we're looking forward to more and you know you can still be a servant leader in that place right there uh, jesus still loves those people these people if yeah. in, a, in a place we want to be a place we don't want to be whatever um we can still be consistently uh reflecting who jesus is and we, you know we learn so much in the consistency in that and like it just reminds me you know uh a disciple isn't made, you know, in the big moments and the things that we look forward to always. A disciple, um, someone who follows Jesus um, thoroughly and well um, throughout their life is made, you know, among average streets, among average people and the average moments of life because there's way more of those. And uh, if we can be consistent in those moments, um, I, l- I love it when the Lord brings just, you know, those big moments that we, you know, don't deserve or, or whatever. But realizing we don't deserve those little moments just as much as the big ones is... Uh, is huge and then yeah i love it servant leadership man it's cool well i think what what you've heard today is a couple of interesting things from everybody but the the main thing that i hope that you take away from this if you're listening is that you have an opportunity to be on mission today like you've never been before and it starts right where you live uh across the street somebody needs to claim the lostness of your neighborhood someone needs to claim the lostness of the gym you go to or the place that you work and begin praying and begin working in that field. And as you think about it, if you're my age with kids, now's a great time to get them involved in missions. You heard from all three of us that we actually started younger, um, maybe than most. And if you can, if you can get involved, get your family involved in missions and give them a worldwide perspective today, you're further down the road. Uh, maybe, maybe than uh, you think. I also would say too, that, uh, and we don't have somebody who's in their 60s speaking to us today, but I would also say uh, one of the things that doesn't need to fall off is the role of prayer and support for missions. Uh, and we're not, we're not saying that that was uh, wrong. We're saying that there's another dimension to it that we can add, uh, especially with our younger people who are already mobilized to go. They're ready to go, and we need to resource them and put them in opportunities to impact the cultures of the world with the gospel. So I hope you got something out of that today and that you were able to, to to maybe track with us a little bit. Glad that Justin was here with us today. Again, reach out to us. Uh, thank you for the listener mail. We've gotten a couple of uh, things uh, back on that, and we'll be addressing those uh, as we go forward. Uh, and grateful grateful for you to that. You can find uh, Pastor Gene at uh, JudsonBaptist.com. You can find him as well at GeneMims.com. Uh, that's all for today. We'll look forward to catching up with you in our next episode.